Welcome to Potlatch Stories, the podcast created to record the unique history of our town, one story at a time. I'm your host, Charlie Wilson, and I had the opportunity to interview Dave Cada, a lifelong resident of Potlatch, and what you're going to hear in this podcast just might surprise you. We hope you enjoy. I would just like to welcome you, Dave. How are you doing today? Uh, very well, thank you. Fantastic. Now, last month I was talking with Gary Strong, and he dropped your name. He said, if you really want to talk to somebody who knows a lot about Potlatch, you need to talk to Dave Cada. What can you tell us about your story here in Potlatch? Were you born here in Potlatch? Uh, well, actually, I was born in Colfax, uh, but I uh, lived at the depot down here in uh, Potlatch for the first year of my life. So I can say that I'm one of the only... Uh, people that have actually lived in the, deep, uh, in the depot among all these depot aficionados we've got around here now. Now, I have to stop us already. We're just starting this interview. How did you live in the depot? Isn't that a train depot? It, yes, it was the original uh, headquarters for the entire town. That was, in fact, oh. the first building that was built here in Potlatch okay. was, was the depot. Downstairs was the, uh, were the offices that ran the train, the mm -hmm. whole WINM train system. But upstairs, there were the offices that operated both the town and the sawmill. Okay. And so uh, the offices that faced the sawmill to the west, they are the ones that operated the sawmill. The offices that faced the east, they were the town offices. And so uh, when they finished with that, whole system in 1917 and built what is now the City Hall. That was the headquarters for Potlatch Corporation at that time. Uh, in 1917, those upstairs offices were converted into apartments. Okay. And so that's where my mom and dad, uh, Joe and Dorothy Cada, uh, located uh, when they were married uh, before the war. So now in what year were you born? I was born in 1945. Okay. So 1945, and then you moved into the depot. Uh, yes, we that was their home at the time, uh, was the upstairs in, in the depot. And so I lived there the first uh, year of my life. And uh, in 1946 is when the houses in town came up for sale. And so mm -hmm. my folks were offered one of, one of those houses, and they uh, bought the house at 415 Pine, and that is where I was raised. Now, did your parents work for the mill, or did they work in town? My, my, both my parents actually worked in the Potlatch Mercantile. Okay. Uh, that was the big department store, company town, a company, uh, company store in the company town. And uh, my dad uh, was the assistant manager of the Mercantile, and he also managed the furniture department. So when that building burned in 1963, January of 1963, that was the inception of Cata Furniture. When I uh, got out of the university, the University of Idaho, I graduated from uh, Potlatch High School in 1963, was in the class of 67 at the university, and then I came to work for my father. And he gave me a year to decide what I wanted to do while well, I it turned out that was a good fit for me, and so rather than staying a year, I stayed 40. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, actually retired in 2008, so I operated the store from uh, 1968 
uh, and then he retired, so I took the store over and retired in 2008. Okay. Now, was this Cata Furniture, was this here in Potlatch? It was, yes. And where was the building located? Uh, it is now uh, an auto uh, repair shop. Felton uh, Motors. Down on 8th Street, yes. Okay. And so uh, next to Bush's gas station, yep. that is where uh, I operated. Uh, originally, we were down in the uh, lower level of the building where the, uh, well, you can, most people know where the liquor store is in Potlatch, yep. and we were down uh, in that lower level. And then I got the chance to buy this building uh, when uh, the owner died in a plane accident, an aircraft accident, and so I got the chance to buy that building and did, and that's where we operated until 19, uh, or 2008. And was that a bigger building when you were moving from? It was, uh-huh. Uh, quite a lot bigger, and then we were able to remodel it to our uh, specifications, and we actually started, um, we were the inception of the gallery look here in Potlatch. Uh, in my travels around the industry down in Southern California, I was able to see how furniture was marketed in the bigger cities, Los Angeles and around San Francisco and those places. And so I brought that concept uh, here to Potlatch, and it was very, f uh, it was a lot of fun. We made the store into uh, a furniture gallery rather than just a furniture mm -hmm. store, and rather than line chairs up in a line and sofas up in a line and, and tables and uh, different different uh, categories of furniture, we made the store look like people lived there. And so you'd go in and you would have a living room in one section oh, yes. and you'd have a bedroom in another section and we had appliances too and then home entertainment. And so we actually made the store look like uh, people were living there. We had clothes, you know, draped over the bed mm -hmm. and we had very nice, uh, ex accentuated the furniture at the best advantage. And it gave us the chance not to sell only just one piece of furniture but also people bought the entire look if they liked it. Yes, you know, and you could kind of give them an example of what it would look like in their home. That's right. We, everything was color-coordinated, and when I would buy furniture at the different markets and different um, places that I went, I would actually choose the furniture to go together and uh, take all the swatches and compare them with the, what was available in, like for sofas and, and chairs and so on. and ended up when we got the furniture here to Potlatch, everything was color coordinated and mm -hmm. uh, people would come in the store for say for instance a sofa and I'd say well okay here's the sofa but once they would buy that I would say well I hate to break <laughs> this up would you like to buy the chair that went along with it and uh, lo and behold before long they would have bought uh, tables and lamps <laughs> and, uh, the, and the whole look at yes. one time. It was it was quite a lot of fun those years. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned you graduated from the high school in the '60s. Let's go before that. What was it like as a kid growing up in Palach? We're talking elementary school time. What was it like around here? Okay, it was uh, really quite different than it is right now. There were more school buildings then, and they were scattered about the central part of town. Whereas this uh, school we have now is out uh, on pretty much the edge of town. It's an apartment building now where I went to high school, but then the grade schools were uh, in, well, I went to three separate buildings for grade school. 
now they're all combined. I think uh, the high school, the grade school was built in 1955, mm -hmm. and then there was also a separate junior high school, which is now uh, doesn't exist any longer. Was tore down later on, but I went to junior high in that building, and then moved on to high school in a, a building which is now the apartment building that everybody knows about here. And that's where you went to high school for that's four right. years. Mm -hmm. Wow, what was that like? What was it, high school like here in Potlatch? Uh, you know, Potlatch has always had uh, very, very good schools. Mm -hmm. At one time, of course, they were private schools back in the years when the company owned the whole town. And uh, at one time, Potlatch got the award for having the best private school in the whole state of Idaho. The company made sure they hired the best teachers. Mm -hmm. So we had very good teachers, got very good educations, and people who have gone to school and potlatch have gone on to great careers. So the, the education was very good. It wasn't uh, so much oriented toward technology like it is now. That's really, I think, the biggest difference. And it gave us a chance to focus really on the books, whereas now it probably isn't that way. But uh, we got very, very good educations and we were able to uh, learn from very, very good teachers. Uh, a lot of activity as far as outdoor activity. Okay. Uh, I played a lot of baseball in my early years. Um, there were things that uh, we did now that people probably look like look at as an anachronism, like we played marbles. I don't know how <laughs> oh, many yes. people play marbles anymore. <laughs> but uh, during my years in, in junior high, people mm -hmm. laugh at this, I'm sure, but we actually went out to recess and played marbles the whole time. <laughs> so um, it, it, was, uh, it was a very good life. My wife and I have gone, uh, had the good fortune to travel uh, a lot mm -hmm. now in, in the last years. And originally when we were first married, we thought that we might like to maybe move someplace else uh, mm -hmm. uh, where maybe the winters aren't quite as harsh as oh, they yes. are now and have more months of better weather and yes. so on. But, you know, we go those places now, and they are nice places, but there's always a downside. We're always glad to come back here in Potlatch and live the great lifestyle that uh, we have always been able to live. And I've got a little other story related to that. Uh, when I was at the furniture store and it had a particular customer, his name was Marvin Avila. And he came to Potlatch and we were able to furnish his whole house, but he was a very, very interesting character. He walked into the store and had an Australian bush hat on with a, a brim pinned up against the crown of the hat. And I remarked about his hat and he had the big story about how the hat blew off of his yacht when he was sailing it from Europe over to the United States. And it blew off of his head and he made a big circle and there it was. He picked it right up out of the ocean and I thought, yeah, right, I, this is a kind of hard to believe. Turned out that he was an airline pilot, one of the original Pan Am transatlantic airline pilots. Okay. And he was a Spaniard, really swarthy, good-looking guy. And uh, I asked him, Marvin, I said, You've been all over the world, had this great life, had a lot of experiences. Why on earth would you move to Potlatch, mm -hmm. Idaho? And he looked at me and he said, you know, it sounds like you don't realize what you've got here. Mm 
And from that day on, I started looking at Potlatch with different eyes. Mm -hmm. And by golly, he was right. Uh, when we travel around and come back to Potlatch, there's always a downside someplace else, but the downsides here in Potlatch are not as far down as we had imagined from the beginning. And so um, everybody that now comes and, you know, we get to visit with a lot of people and uh, on the city council here, we get to visit a lot of people. I really recommend uh, a lifestyle like the one we have in Potlatch. Could you see yourself living anywhere else? Uh, my roots now, I think, are so deep, they go to the center of the earth here, <laughs> and I've been here so long that no. Uh, this is home. We, uh, we do have uh, another res residence in mm -hmm. uh, um, Kootenai County in, in Kirtle Lane, okay. you know, where we spend some time, but our primary residence will always be here. Fantastic. Now, you grew up here, and you went to high school in what is the apartment complex now. You mentioned baseball. What position did you play? Oh, golly, all over the place. Okay, uh, a utility uh, player. We just had sandlot games, you mm -hmm. might say, and I did play um, uh, shortstop and outfield when we went to uh, uh, the organized baseball, but okay. uh, I played uh, all, all of the uh, positions as far as baseball went. My biggest thing, though, uh, when I got into school is music. Okay. Uh, that's still my first love. Um, originally, I thought I would have some kind of career involved in music. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen for various reasons. Uh, I uh, was a trumpet player. Mm -hmm. uh, went to University of Idaho. I had a fabulous trumpet teacher, Bill Billingsley. Stayed friends with him even after school. But um, I developed a habit when I was practicing the trumpet early on I would lie, put the music on my bed, and then that caused me to shift the horn to the left side of my mouth, and then I was playing the horn out of the left side of my mouth, and Bill Billingsley told me, he said, Dave, if you ever want to be a really good tr trumpet player, you're going to have to move that horn to the center. Mm -hmm. And so I started over, you might say, in college, uh, start yeah started okay. over. Well, that caused me to kind of uh, drop the trumpet, but then I got involved in the University of Idaho Vandaliers, which is the concert choir at the University of Idaho, and that was, I think, the greatest experience that I had in school. In fact, the greatest experience uh, uh, school experience ever, because it was at that point that I learned the whole spectrum of music. At Potlatch, I was playing pop music and jazz primarily. Mm -hmm. But then uh, when uh, I was introduced to the uh, uh, whole classical world, then I actually fell more in love with music than I was before. And uh, it's kind of a funny story. I started in my music education, um, one of my professors was Charlie Walton, and he had us write a paper on whatever we wanted to write it on. And so I wrote my paper about the classical composers. And um, my paper was about, I think, what, what was it? Uh, Haydn, Beethoven, and Mozart. 
And I turned the paper in, I got the paper back, and he gave me a B, and I thought I'd done a real good job. I thought I'd, I'd done an A job. And on the margin he had written, he said, I thought that probably you should have written your paper about some of the lesser known classical composers. And later on, years ago, he and I got to be friends, and I, I mentioned that to him. <laughs> I said, you know, you gave me that paper back, and you wrote in the margin that uh, you should have written the paper about uh, lesser-known composers. And he said, I, I, I told him, Charlie, I grew up in Potlatch, Idaho, and those were lesser-known composers. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> And so he laughed at me. Uh, <laughs> he said, bring the paper back in. I'll give you an A. Uh, it was just... Two months ago, I ran across that paper that I'd turned in where yes. he'd written that on there. And, of course, the poor man is deceased now. I, I could have gotten an A if he'd lived a little longer. <laughs> so you played the trumpet and then you sang. So yes. when you were, okay, so were you singing when you were here in Potlatch at the high school? Were you in a choir there? I was in the choir at Potlatch, okay. yes, but I wasn't quite as interested in, in the voice then. And mm -hmm. I couldn't sing... Um, as well as I could play the trumpet, so okay. that was my focus. Got it. But uh, I developed into a little better singer when I got to the university, mm -hmm. and uh, my professor there was Glenn Lockery, and I'll tell you what, that man was an absolutely fabulous professor. He was uh, a member of the Robert Shaw Chorale, uh, which is nationally known, and you can still buy Robert Shaw Chorale records. And, uh, he was an absolutely wonderful teacher, but he had, had a, the most beautiful tenor voice mm -hmm. that you would ever want to hear. And so he, too, and I became friends after school and uh, had dinner together a lot, and, and I'd visit him whenever I'd go to Moscow and had time. And uh, the university had uh, really wonderful uh, professors, too, in, in my music program. Now, you mentioned that your, both your mother and father worked at the Mercantile. That's right. So did you grow up there, hanging out around the Mercantile as your parents were at work? I did. I would help my dad a lot, uh, different uh, things. He had charge of uh, decorating the Mercantile the entire thing at Christmas time. He was the one that bought all of the uh, ornaments and the decorations, and I would go down and help him do that, and I would help him trim windows. So I got a pretty good retail education just hanging around my dad. And he was, um, he was my hero in, in the industry because he was not only a really good father to me, and my brother, but uh, also was a very good merchant and uh, had a good eye for color and style and how to merchandise, how to advertise. And so pretty much everything that I learned about the furniture industry, I learned from my dad, Joe Cato. While you were spending time with him at the Mercantile. And I also helped him start uh, Keita Furniture mm -hmm. during the time I was at the university uh, because uh, he, he started from scratch. The, as I said earlier, the mercantile burned in 1963. That was my graduation year yes. from high school. So uh, while I was at the university, I was coming home and helping him with different facets of the, uh, the furniture program. 
And so uh, the store was up and running pretty well when I uh, got out of school and I came back here and and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I came to work for my dad and stayed uh, 40 years where I started in, I was only going to stay a year. What uh, did you get your degree in at the University of Idaho? Political science. Political science. What did you hope to do with that degree? Did you have an idea at I the had time? an idea about going into the Foreign Service, but um, for one reason or another, things didn't make sense, and I, I didn't know what job I would like to pursue. So in order to decide, I came back home here and um, uh, worked, for, worked for my dad and uh, really fell in love with the furniture business and the people in Potlatch are such good people. It was fun working with them. I uh, took a separate uh, course in um, interior design and that helped my eye as far as putting things together for people and uh, got a lot of chances to work with people who were building new homes and they just gave me a free hand and said, turn the whole thing over to me. And uh, that turned out to be a very good career f for me. I uh, got married then when I was uh, 32 uh, to Kenny Papineau from uh, Moscow, and uh, the Papineau family is pretty well known in Moscow. And uh, she was a banker uh, all, of, all of her life, and finally in a, ended up being a manager of uh, the bank here in Potlatch for quite a few years. And how did you two meet? Did you meet her when you were uh, in college? Actually, or? it was a blind date. We were set up by uh, the bank manager here in Potlatch. He said, you really ought to go out with Kenny Papineau, and that's what he said to Kenny, that you ought, ought to go out with Dave Cada, and we uh, have been together since that very first date. Now, do you <laughs> remember where you went? Can I put you on the spot? Where did you go on your uh, blind we date? We went to Pullman to dinner. Mm -hmm. Can't remember the name of the restaurant now, but it's still a restaurant. Okay. And um, the place still exists, and uh, we just hit it off uh, okay. from that very first, uh, very first encounter. That's fantastic. And you're been married how many years now? It will be uh, forty this year. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank you. That is fantastic. Do you think Potlatch had something to do with that forty years? Absolutely did, yes. Uh, it's a wonderful environment. Um, I've had the good luck to be on the city council now mm -hmm. for, let's see, since 2003, so that would be 16, 16 years, years now. And um, been able to help the town uh, along with all the rest of the good people and Mayor Dave Brown uh, really bring Potlatch into the 21st century. Uh, we've been able to um, completely tear out and re-establish both the water and the sewer system, uh, mm -hmm. revitalize the reservoir, put uh, land application uh, sewage treatment plant in addition to our uh, current, current uh, sewage treatment plant. So now the town is capable of some uh, organized control growth which is good. Uh, we need to grow moderately in order to you know, have a b bigger tax base and right. and uh, have a good economy. Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to uh, build on the economy. I'm also a member of the uh, Scenic Six Community Development Council, okay. 
and uh, we try to uh, just build on what already exists here and and uh, make Potlatch a better and better place. Okay. Now, I want to um, pick your brain a bit. What was it like when the mill closed? When the mill, was that 83? It was it? 81. 81, okay. uh, When the mill closed, and uh, that was quite a, an upheaval. It was uh, scary, really. Mm -hmm. People didn't have a very good feeling about the future of Potlatch in those days without a primary employer uh, right here in town. But then there was also, still exist Bennett Lumber, which is a growing concern uh, in Princeton. Those people who had worked in Potlatch found other jobs, uh, either in other sawmills or uh, in doing other occupations around the area. And so the town didn't die out like it was forecast to do. Okay. And it's maintained a fairly stable um, population all those years, grown a little, but not not much. But now uh, we are capable, actually, of growing with the uh, amenities that we've put in, with, right. with the improvements that we've been able to accomplish. Okay. Where do you see Potlatch? If you could have your, your wildest dream come true, where do you see Potlatch in about 10 or 20 years? Those are things we think about a lot, uh, both at uh, Scenic 6 uh, at Community Development and also on the City Council. We try to envision these things. and. I kind of have a prediction that uh, Potlatch will expand uh, incrementally and finally end up with the uh, boundary out possibly by Highway 95. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, good water supply. We've got good sewage treatment. The water is very good here in town. We're capable of some, uh, as I say, controlled, intelligent growth. And so we are, uh, uh, we are going to grow in the natural beauty of the area together with the fact that it is a, uh, an area where the weather is, well, I guess you'd say we have to put up some kind of average weather in mm -hmm. for six months of the year, but the downside is not as far down as you have in a lot of places where they have the major storms and so on like in the rest of the United States and the Northwest, we're very well blessed by the fact that we are protected uh, by a couple of mountain ranges mm -hmm. in those regards. And so we've got a stable economy. Uh, farming has always been good. There's never been a crop failure here. The timber is still a going concern. The lumbering industry is not going to go away. And so I think we're going to have a good future here. Good. What would you say to young people, maybe newlyweds, maybe they've been married a few years that are in Potlatch or thinking about coming to Potlatch? Is this a place where they should seriously consider raising their families? Well, uh, I go back to my own life uh, and I wouldn't trade it for uh, life anywhere else, really. Um, it's been a very, very good life, and uh, health-wise, too, I think Potlatch is a very healthy place, and we're trying to build on that. Down at the park, say, for instance, we've got a walking track. We've got a lot of opportunity for outdoor activities. Uh, 
We've got a group called Fit and Fall Proof, which my wife uh, is a, one of the trainers for the older folks that want to stay active but don't necessarily want to play tennis or those kinds of things. Or And so, um, yes, I would say that uh, this is really an attractive place if you want to have a good, full, uh, productive life and also stay, stay healthy throughout your life. Now, as we do these podcasts more, would you be willing to come back if we asked you to come back and tell us maybe a little bit more about your life here in Potlatch? Oh, I surely would, provided I haven't bored people thus far. Uh, I, I would like to, yes. I, I definitely don't think you've bored people. I think you have more baseball stories in you, maybe, or maybe some more uh, the choir stories at the U of I. And Now, what about the, am I saying this correct, the confectionery, the confectionery? The yes, candy that, store. Was there uh, a candy store here in there, town? There was the confectionery. Yes, okay. we would, when I were, was a kid, go down there. It's uh, The location of that was where is where the Floyd's grocery store is now. Okay. We would go there, and, uh, of course, part of it was, was a bar. We didn't go there when we were kids. Okay. But there, we, you could go down there and get ice cream or milkshakes or ice cream sodas or all those kinds of things that was really one of the things that was an attraction for when uh, we were kids the company provided all those kinds of amenities right across the street street from that was a movie theater Uh, potlatch had a movie theater potlatch had a movie theater started out uh, with silent films uh, with the piano player I only can remember going there one time, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, compared to the theaters that are around now, it was quite small, and it was all, you know, silent films and black and white to start with. But, uh, yes, uh, there was even an opera house. So, you know, uh, this was a very culturally oriented, complete, ideal community. Right from right from the start. My goodness, uh, Dave. Thank you for speaking with us today, and we will definitely invite you back to tell us more of the stories about the history of Potlatch. Potlatch has a lot of stories, and I've got a lot of them to tell. So I'll be glad to come back. Thank you so much. And for the audience out there, I have two requests for you. Number one, share this podcast with somebody you know. And number two, if you know how to subscribe to this podcast. And if you don't know how to subscribe. Ask your grandkids. They'll know how to do it. (laughs) This is Charlie Wilson up at the high school. And until our next podcast, I'll see you around town.